Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I thought I'd do a little bit different and select some of our favourite beach banner that we've had over the last couple of years and also throw in a story when Kerbox and myself got kidnapped up in Queensland. It's quite a fun story. Now let's sit back and have a listen to all the beach banner and hopefully you'll get a laugh. Mate, we've got so many stories and I'm going to have to get you on again because we've got so many. Uh, but there's one last thing that I'm going to do which nobody has probably heard. It's a story and, and it's a, it's something we it happened to us together. And I'm going to finish this episode with this one. It's the time that we got kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> so if I, get, if I get stabbed, <laughs> shot, killed... After this one, mate, it's on you, right? Well, uh, after everyone hears his story, it'll be it'll be me. <laughs> it'll be me. Well, he, didn't, he, he didn't like you anyway. He liked me. He punched me in the head, but he still liked me. <laughs> so let's set this uh, picture oh, and, uh, and, and let's go through it. All right. So, <laughs> oh, so we're at the uh, the launch for the new series of Bono Rescue, right? So um, up in Brisbane, Channel 10, Channel 10 had all their new shows that they are going to produce. So we were there with um, the guys from MasterChef and, and uh, there's a whole bunch of them. And uh, it was you and I, we went up to Brisbane. Yeah. Anyway, we were, as usual, you and I were just keeping to ourselves. I think we were hanging out with a MasterChef guy, yeah. Matt Cravat and the boys and, and George, and they were cool as. And then... Um, the girls, I think, from 10 said, oh, what are you guys going to do? And you and I were like, I don't know. And they said, oh, we're going to go to the casino. And you and I went, no, yeah, all right, we'll come along. No worries. So anyway, we've got the casino. Little did we know that one of the girls had had a bust up with um, her boyfriend. So we get to the casino and you're chatting away and I'm chatting away and I think I was playing roulette or something. Next minute, this guy turns up, and mate, he was scary. He was like, uh, I don't know, he was yeah, he was scary. Built <laughs> dreadlocks. He looked like, yeah, he was like the scariest guy I think I've ever seen. And I was like, he goes, which one of you is is Kerbox and is Hopper? Oh, me and him. <laughs> And you pinned it, right? Well, he punched you in the nose. Yeah, and he turned around and I said, well, what's your problem? And he goes, what? And I go, well, what's your problem? I'm just playing roulette. I don't even know. He just went, bang, punched me straight in the nose. I went, oh. okay, what was that for? He goes, because you're being cheeky. I just went, my eyes are watering, and I looked, and then everyone scattered. Yeah, everyone yeah, got yeah. Everyone took off. 
I'm standing there just with this watery eyes. I thought my nose was bleeding. And I go, I can't believe he's punched me in the head. He goes, buy me a beer. And I went, oh, <laughs> God, what's going on here? Anyway, you've taken off, right? <laughs> and I'm going, he go, he grabbed me by the neck and goes, you're going nowhere. And I go, what? And all the girls from, from 10 who were lovely, they were so nice of us, yeah. they took off. Everyone took off. Yeah. I'm just stuck in the casino. So I'm going, how the hell am I going to get up into the room because you had your room, I yeah. had my room, yeah. right? And I went, how, how am I going to get up there and get away get away from this guy, right? And then he goes, if you even try to run away from me, you're in trouble. And I went, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? <laughs> so anyway, I, I go up I, I go up, and he's he's right next to me. And uh, he goes, mate, you're, he's got you by the neck, by yeah, the way, yeah. like this. You're going nowhere. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. So then I get up there. To the room, and then he goes, I want a drink. So he rips my mini bar open, right? And just takes the whole lot out and plonks it on the bed, <laughs> and just starts necking him. And I'm going, Oh, beautiful. He's going to pass it. I'm going to fucking pin it. Right? <laughs> and then, anyway, so <laughs> I've ended up sleeping on the floor in the corner, and he, took, he slept in the bed. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Okay, I've only got four hours to kill before we get on the plane. And then I thought I could just slowly get my stuff together and just get out the door and pin it, right? Lo and behold, who starts whacking on the door? You. <laughs> well, I was wondering where you were. I'm, we had to get the plane. I'm going, where's Box? I can't find him anywhere. So I'm banging on the door and I couldn't get in and ended up getting the uh, the cleaning lady was coming along. So she's opened the door and I've, I've walked in. Here you are on the floor and this – Guy's in the bed, but he had the long hair, and I thought, oh, geez, maybe boxers picked up last night, you know? <laughs> anyway, till I, till I realised it was the guy from the night before, and I'm going, oh, this is not good, and oh, maybe you're trying to pack your bag and be quiet, and anyway, yeah. I but stole his shoes. You're so, I think I stole yeah, his shoes. Yeah, and the excuse there was, I said, what are you stealing these shoes for? Well, he said, oh, he won't be able to run after us. <laughs> anyway. As you said, <laughs> I uh, all the noise I was making, I've woke him up, and oh, jeez, it was like wake, waking up an angry bear. You remember, then we go downstairs, he goes, I don't care what you think you're doing, you, you're not leaving me. That's and right. I, remember, we were checking out, and then uh, I'm going, mate, this is heavy. Yeah. And he goes, look, I'm taking you to the airport, and, and we're going, no, 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 we'll just get a cab. Yeah, yeah I remember, and yeah. Then, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, you're not. Well, I'm taking the airport. And I was going, oh, God. And he's still in barefoot, right, yeah, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah. He had no shoes. His shoes, are, his shoes are in your bag. <laughs> yeah, I took his shoes. I stole his shoes. <laughs> and, then, and then you and I stand there going, oh, my God, this is heavy. So he goes, I'm taking you. I said, all right, all right, all right, no worries. So we got to his car. <laughs> and then remember we were going, we, like we're all driving, the signs yeah. were going, Airport. Well, I kept, yeah. I kept saying to him, um, look, mate, because I knew we were in Brisbane, so the airport wasn't far. <laughs> and it, we've, we've done about 20 minutes driving around, around, around. I said, mate, come on, we're going to miss our flight if you don't get us to the airport. Well, you knew where we were going. You, you knew. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I had no idea because yeah. you'd been at Nusa well, at like a shitload yeah. of times. Well, he kept telling me to shut up, shut up, and shut up, Hoppo. And yeah, I'm going, oh, this he is didn't like it. No, he, he didn't, didn't like it. He, he, like he goes, oh, he goes, I like you. No, I don't like Hoppo. Yeah. I don't like that, Hoppo. <laughs> 
And I was trying. Yes, I played. I played him like he and you I was trying to be nice to him, but anyway, when when I started to see the uh, the signs starting to come up, um, we're doing about 140 on this highway, and these signs see it coming up like Malula Bar, Noosa. And I'm going, oh, hang on, we're, we're going the wrong way here. And he kept saying, I remember him saying, just shut up, you'll see the planes coming up over the hill soon, you know? Like, And I'm going, no, nah, we're, we're on our way. And then he suddenly locked the door, all the doors locked. And I'm going, oh, we're in all sorts here. So I have my phone, right, and I text Ginge, I text Mum, and I was, I was under the thing going, help. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm in trouble. Don't ring my phone. Get help. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember he, you, you tried to keep calming him down and, and I'm sitting in the back seat behind him and I couldn't do much because, you know, we're going so fast. And then I thought, what are we going to do here? Like, so after the, the, the doors locked and I thought we're, we're no hope and we're driving along, we're trying to go, mate, can you pull over? <laughs> and then you came up with this, uh, this idea that you need to go to the toilet. Yeah, I did. I said, listen, mate, I, I don't know what's going on. Because I, I thought to myself, you know what? This is not good. And then I go, mate, I've got to piss. I'm going to piss my pants. And he goes, hang on. And I went, mate, I can't hang on. I'm going to wee in my pants. And he goes, righto. Remember he pulled over to the side of the road. And, <laughs> well, it was uh, a dirt was, road, remember? We're going up this yeah, dirt road. Yeah, it was a road. Dirt, dirt road. And I'm going, oh, my God, this yeah. is not good. And then I remember... There was like a little homestead, remember, right? Yeah. Just, it would have been about three, four hundred metres away, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I remember, I remember, he goes, right, I hurry up. He goes, I'm watching you, Hopper. I'm fucking watching you. <laughs> so we, we get out. We get out. And as soon as the door opened, I just booked it. I just yeah. fucking pinned it, mate. Because yeah, yeah. I knew you were going to beat me because you, yeah, you yeah. blow me away in the run race. Yeah. <laughs> and I was running as fast as I could. And you just went shoo, straight past yeah. me. Well, I saw you go and I'm thinking, well, I'm going as well. But, but before that, he, he was when we are driving, he was reaching under his seat. He couldn't get something, I'm thinking. So when we are running up this dirt track towards the homestead, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the gunshot, you know, to the, <laughs> to the back of the head. And I'm just going, oh, this is not good. And we, anyway, then we, we just heard him spin the wheels of the car and yelling out and I'm off gonna he, get off you he went. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, get you. Yeah. And he threw, our, he threw our shit out. He just done a big burnout. And I think I was screaming at the guy in the home, said, help! <laughs> <laughs> and the old bloke came out. He goes, what's wrong? Go help. Anyway, we, just got kid- we just got kidnapped. <laughs> we got kidnapped. <laughs> and remember, and then we went, how the fuck are we going to get back to Brisbane? <laughs> well, then I remember we had to ring the, the PR girls from 10. And because uh, by this time we've missed our flights and everything. Oh, we missed them. Yeah, we will uh, MIA. Yeah. In that stage. Well, we're an hour from Brisbane Airport at this stage. And then. I think to this day they still don't believe the story we spun them. I think they thought these blokes have got on the drink, they've hung, they've been hung Mate. over, slept in, missed the flight. Well, well, you know what? Now they can listen because it's a true story. Hundred <laughs> percent true story. No, I, I remember. I, I remember. I said on the plane when we finally got the plane. Look, you go. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you go. 
He goes, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I said he liked me, he didn't like you. Oh, mate, it was hilarious. The, the, I just can't uh, believe um, the situations that we got ourselves in. But uh, anyway, at least oh, we got out of it and that was uh, a bonus, Well, the I best suppose. thing is, mate, we're still here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stranger things that happen, but we're still yeah, here. We're still here. Reedy, how are you, mate? G'day, Hop. I'm good, mate. It's good to be back in the shack. I was thinking about resuscitations, you know, we have a few over the years and I thought back to your first resuscitation. So with Candice, can you tell me a bit about that experience? Oh God, geez, you've gone deep there, Hop. That'd have to be nearly ooh, 20 years ago. I think it was before the show. So that didn't get captured by the TV cameras, thank God, because I absolutely butchered it. I'm surprised she's still alive, actually. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I, I remember I was helping Ben Quigley load the boards on the roof for the lifeguard challenge, and I was dro- we were dropping them over to Bronte because we usually run to Bronte. Oh, sorry, run to Tamar, swim to Bronte, and paddle back to Bondi. And um, and I I just you just watch the water as we do as lifeguards, and I just remember looking south, and I saw what what I I, I just knew straight away it was a someone face down, and uh, I said to Quiggers, mate, there's someone face down in the south corner. He looked, he said. Nah, it's a snap board. And I was like, nah, mate, that's someone face down. And I don't know if it's Quig- because Quiggers is a bit older than me. Maybe his eyes were a bit gone. But, but I, anyway, I remember running through the tower. And as I ran through the tower, I just said, South Corner, South Corner. And as I'm running through and saying that, I could hear Kalen radioing saying he was going in. And I, 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 think, I think there was a buggy there and, or a run down. I can't really remember. But I got down there and Sean Carroll was there as well. Harry's his brother who hasn't worked with us for a while. And uh, those two, Kalen and Sean paddled out and I, I knew there was a board attached to her leg. So I thought I'll just swim out because there was no boards where they were. And I thought the boys would need a hand with the patient. It was, it was pretty big swell. I think it was four to five foot. It was really low tide. And I think that's what happened. She, she was just, she, she was a bit of a novice and she was paddling out and sort of went out in the rip without getting the hair wet and then drifted onto the bank and then bang, big four footer hit her on the head and, and knocked her out or that's that's what we assume happened anyway she doesn't really remember in the end but but yeah I, I jumped on her board and we sort of got her on Kaylin's board and we puddled her in and we we dragged her up the beach and Quiggers had all the medikit ready to go and I think you were there as well mate it was a, it was a pretty textbook rescue really it was it was we we dragged her up on the board using the board to as a stretcher put her on the beach turned her on her side checked for a pulse no pulse think you and Quiggers might have been putting the or maybe you were doing compressions I can't really remember but yeah we I think we did a couple of rounds of CPR before the pads went on pads went on checked for a rhythm shocked her then we did a couple more rounds of CPR uh may have I think we shocked her three to four times but the the one thing I the one mistake I kept making being on the head was I every time we'd roll her when she vomited I I would drop the Goodell into the sand. It would just, I just, just have a mind blank. And so I had to keep running down and washing it out instead of shoving a sandy Goodell down her throat, which I'm sure she wouldn't have appreciated later. I think I remember when uh, you were doing that because I came down from the tower. Then I, I think you're right. I was doing some the compressions and uh, I'd be doing the compressions. So I look up and you'd be running off all the time. Where's he? Where's Reddy going to? <laughs> yeah, I was. I definitely, uh, I was, I'm not going to lie, I, I was very nervous. You know, I had a girl that was similar age to me, 26 years of age, and she was very blue and, and very dead. She'd probably been down for about four minutes by the time we got her in and stuff. So, yeah, look, we, we ended up getting her back, and, and fortunately for Candace, she's she's got no issues at all. I think they did a little bit of experimental 
medicine on her where they, they put ice in her groin and under her armpits to try and whether it's speed up the blood flow or slow it down, I'm not too sure. They induced her in a coma, but now she's completely fine with three beautiful young kids. And uh, I think we can, other than my little stuff ups with the Goodell, I think we did a pretty good job and it was good to, it's good for me personally to be there with, with a lot of experience, like between you, Quiggers, you know, Kayla had been a lifeguard you know, a couple of years then and Sean Carroll had been a lifeguard for a fair few years too. So I was pretty lucky. I was in good company to, to, to get to do my first resus with, with some of the best. And I think that was probably one of the reasons why Candace is still with us today. And I've done a few more since then and I haven't dropped the Goodell in the sand. So <laughs> it is true. You live and you learn and you, you can learn from the old dogs like yourself. <laughs> I think she was one of the first ones, though, that, that freezing technique, because I remember getting information back from the hospital, and I think they trialled something like that at the hospital as well to get the swelling in the brain down, mm. and I think that really helped her. I think that was stopping the brain damage, and yeah. she, I think she ended up without any anything wrong with her at all. No, no, she was a lucky girl that day. I mean, Kaylin was right place, right time, and and you know she had a she had a good crew of lifeguards working on her. And I, I'm pretty sure we had a pulse, and she was she was she was very conscious by the time the ambos got there. So, yeah, we, it was a it was a proud moment I think for all of us. And you know that was one of twelve major resuscitations we did in the year before they started filming Bondi Rescue. And I think actually that was a big part of the reason why why Ben Davies made the call to start the pilot episode and send it off to to the stations. And next minute we're here now and 16 years later and you look a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, obviously you've got no mirrors in your house because dead set. <laughs> I reckon you could be 20 years older. <laughs> mate, I have a rough head. And that's because I have nearly got three kids now, and I tell you what, they're slowing me down. I'd like to say it's age, but I think it's the kids, as you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what age means, mate. Don't worry, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but Candace did, um, she did donate a board. She's so grateful in uh, what we all did to get her back to life. Mate, she did. She donated a board and she also put on a big party for us up at, uh, I think it was somewhere on Oxford Street. Yeah, it was good. good night, but we all, we all, had a, we all ripped in and, uh, yeah, a few of us had to have the day off the next day, but the, you had a good boss and he let us have the day off and all was okay. <laughs> Loza, welcome, Always mate. a pleasure to be in the shack, mate. Well, mate, People that have watched Bondi Rescue around the world, they've seen we do this lifeguard relay against all the other professional lifeguards uh, from other councils. Now, I thought I'd get you in and have a chat about how that actually started because there's a big history with that. It just didn't start when the show started. It started way back, didn't it? Was it it the started 80s? back in the mid-'80s, and uh, what it was, we we... we had a chat with the head lifeguard back then, uh, your predecessor, and put it to him that it'd be great uh, as a means of getting all the lifeguard services together just to have a fun event, you know, get as many from around Sydney and probably just outside of Sydney as we could. It took off and, and the first year we were able to get guys from the central coast. When you consider that, you know, most it was a midweek thing and it was held probably at the height of summer and it had to be held after hours. So these guys were having to drive from either the south coast Illawarra or from the central coast, but we couldn't get anyone else because it was too far to come. Anyway, we did manage to get a fairly good cross-section of lifeguard services 
up and down the coast. And it certainly started off as a fun event, but of course, um, the, the boys from the bushes, we call them, you know, Central Coast and, and the Illawarra, uh, they took it a lot more serious than what we did. You know, they had some gun young competitors who could swim, paddle, whatever, run a lot quicker than we could because they had much more time than we did to, to train to that level. Of course, we were too busy working down here because, as you know, uh, it never stops at Bondi. Well, mate, I remember when I started in the, you know, the early 90s and that Dean and Darren Mercer, who were professional ironmen at the time, were in the Wollongong team when they came up. And there's other teams as well that had some pretty handy well, I remember running against – I did the run leg for quite a few years and I remember running against Guy Leach, uh, who I know you've had on – you've had there in, in the shack and interviewed. Uh, I ran against Guy Leach. But that that was the calibre of, of competitor that, that you're up against because, you know, a lot of these guys who are doing the Ironman, the Cool and Get a Gold, etc. You know, they were having to work as lifeguards to get a bit of money in. And I remember too, you mentioned to me that there was a well-known footballer that tried to uh, take you out at some stage <laughs> one of those years. Well, here's what it came down to. Once we realised, we tried to make it a fun event. So it started with a run and ended with a run. In between, there were two swimmers, two board paddlers. I believe we did have two ski paddlers. Would that be right? You can verify that. Yeah, I remember doing the ski leg. We did have a ski leg back then, and also the the surfer. We had the plane. rubberies, the, the the rubber surfer planes, which did make a comeback a few years ago on the market, and that was to trying to lighten the event up. You know, add a bit of levity, a bit of humour to the event, and also even it out a bit because we knew we had an edge there because the rubberies were always down in max higher if we needed to go out and train on them. But you're right. I think we soon realised that, hey, you know, these guys from up and down the coast, even from Manly, as we said, you know, they're, they're, they're red hot as competitors. So if we can just beat Ramwick lifeguards, the guys from Maroubra, Coogee and Clovelly, then we're doing well. And, of course, yes, there was a former first-grade footballer who did try to, try to take me out on the run leg because that, our, our mission was to beat Ramwick lifeguards we didn't care who won the race as long as we beat those guys and of course Gary Warnicke went out of his way to try and take me out but you know Gary was well retired and his knees and back weren't doing too well I sidestepped in quite easily <laughs> <laughs> and he was a, a, a well-known eastern suburbs roosters back in those days now called the Sydney that's roosters. right and he was a uh, really uh, a very good footballer. Yeah, and he, he, a lot of people don't realise that, you know, early on in his career and before his career kicked off in first grade with the Roosters and later later on with the Western Suburbs Magpies, Gaza was a very keen surfer and he could swim. He was good in the water. He was a good waterman. But, yeah, <laughs> we won't forget his ill-timed tackle. He would have been yeah, yeah. dropped from first grade <laughs> for, for, for me for the sidestep I put on him. Yeah, mate, you would have uh, would have got a start in the Roosters, I think, oh, after doing yeah, that maybe. sidestep. <laughs> but they're just on, on Mary. There've been a, a few football players. I mean, Daryl Pierce, you'd remember, he played for Manly, yeah. and also Rennie Matua, who played for the Bulldogs, worked. And Luke around. Beasley, if you remember, Luke came from up Byron Bay way and he worked a season with us at Waverley down at Bondi. Uh, Luke played for the Bunnies. He, he played a few first grade games on the wing. 
So, yeah, we've had a few. Uh, Corey Adams, of course, played for Canterbury, Easts, and possibly South, so I could be corrected on that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's been a fair few uh, footy players we've coming had... through. I don't know how many these days that would be able to uh, to swim that are playing in the Yeah, in the not teams. with the knocks that they take, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, as we've often said, uh, walking out onto that, onto Bondi, Bronnie or Tamar, on a, on a busy day, it's like walking into an arena, you know, and when you're finished at the end of the day, you feel like you've done 80 minutes on the paddock in the, in the NRL. <laughs> a warm welcome to a former lifeguard, Peter Cahoon. How are you? Hello, Hoppo. Great to be with Mate, you. Mate, uh, thinking back in the day, the mm. uh, Tamarama was always called the rock and you ended up going there when you were misbehaving at the other beaches. And That's right. Tell me about some of the characters that, that got sent to the rock. Oh, that's right, Hopper. Back in the day, you didn't rotate through the three beaches, and if you had, if you got on the wrong side of, <laughs> of those in charge, you were sent to a season at the Rock, and we called Tamarama the Rock. It, look, it was it, it, it was sort of based on the sent to Alcatraz sort of thing because Tamarama, as we know, is only a little fifty meter sort of wide beach surrounded by two big headlands, and you're sort of in there and trapped. And it's a very dangerous beach, as we know. But some of the characters that were sent there. You can understand why they were sent there because <laughs> management didn't want them at Bondi. <laughs> oh, you had you had guys like Dave Noonan. Now Dave Noonan was sent there with Pete Seville. He was a great uh, RIP. Uh, he was he was a great guy, and he was the Felix Unger of lifeguards. <laughs> everything there was germs everywhere. He had to spray everything down, and then you'd had Pete Seville, who was a drummer. He was a mad rock and roll drummer. And he bring his drum kits down there and you'd have sort of drum practice in the back of the, <laughs> the first aid room. And then of course, in later years, you had guys like, like Brendan Reed, who was, he was very militant, very militant. <laughs> and, and I think they needed, he, he was almost like a warden down there amongst some of the other lifeguards. Ponch, of course, was sent there, Billy Moore, myself. And we actually didn't mind it. We had this sort of fraternity of, of looking after Tamaram because there was no easy rescues at Tamar because you generally end up on the rocks because it's such a narrow beach. But Billy Moore and I had this policy, goes, look, the beaches shut a lot of the time. The surfers need to have their time. And we had a great relationship with the surfers. We let them surf as much as we could, but we said, guys, look, when the flags need to go out, you need to respect that, right? Well, trying to get some of the hardcore surfers <laughs> off that right-hander and left-hander coming in off Maccas into Tamar, very difficult indeed. But we managed to do it because we'd often go surfing with them. On a Saturday morning, though, this character by the name of Glenn Hastings, Stacker, would turn up. Now, Stacker was a casual. Now, Stacker came down and goes, we've got to clear those surfers at Saturday morning. Stacker, we've, we, we'll, we'll manage the situation. No, they've got to get cleared out. Stacker would get his golf clubs out. He'd set up his <laughs> golf clubs and he'd start firing a one a one wood in, into the surface at the reef. Billy and I had established good relationships with these people all week, these surfers, and then Stacker started lobbing you know, one irons into them to clear the water. Oh, God, we just, we just cover our head. In the end, though, we realised on wet days, Hoppo, 
Yeah. We managed to create a little nine-hole golf course down there, didn't we? <laughs> At Tamarama. Wet days, nothing doing. We only needed two clubs, a putter and a sandwich. That's it. It's a, uh, it was a good bunker, wasn't it, down there, Tamarama? It was one great big bunker. We had some, <laughs> we had some, we had some great memories. And, that, and although we call it the rock, we do it with, we do it with fondness because the guys that were sent to the rock are uh, usually a little bit eccentric. Yeah. And uh, they always, we always had a lot of fun, and um, we have great memories of, of what we call affectionately known as the Rock. <laughs> G'day, Mario. Hey, ciao, Oppo. How are you today? Yeah, good. You? Very good. There's rumours going around, and I've had a few little phone calls from people. I'm not going to give my sources away, but apparently you've been uh, out doing a bit of modelling yeah. and uh, modelling for clippers. Here we go. What do you Can got? you put the story straight here? <laughs> what have we got? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Did nothing. <laughs> oh, man. Look, I don't know. Just, um, I've been approached from this um, brand and uh, because the summer is, uh, is coming soon, so they want to <laughs> um, me to basically represent their own brand yeah. of... Um, yeah, clippers. Yeah, immense. Well, they say in Italians, you've got a lot of hair. Hey, yeah, <laughs> quite, quite a bit. <laughs> so tell us about the shoot. How did that go? What, what did you have to do? Just, um, I had a bit of a chat with them, uh, grooming men, and then basically he was explaining how that works, and um, he, I uh, was asking him if he works, and yeah. Also, another spot of the yeah. body, basically. So it's your beard and chest, uh, but then you asked him about another area yeah. that you needed a little bit of work with. Yeah, I did. I, did. I had that day that day, and so I wanted to make sure that I was perfect, you know. Yeah. So I asked if it was working somewhere else. <laughs> and then what did you come out and say? Oh, I say after I, you gave it a little trim. Say, oh wow. It's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they use all this trick, you know, these days. <laughs> so what do you reckon is going to happen when uh, this little video comes out and uh, certain people at the beach, lifeguards, get to see it? What well, do you think is going to happen? I think uh, well, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Look, <laughs> lucky I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know what could happen otherwise <laughs> if it's true this. <laughs> we might have to ask her, is it bigger? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it, uh, it'll be out soon. And I reckon uh, I might, uh, I've got a, a source that I can get hold of this video and uh, I'll, for everyone listening, will uh, that video might end up in the uh, the VIP section in the uh, beach shack. So, if you want to see Mario in in his best, make sure you uh, sign up and get into the beach shack. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Jesse, hey mate, how are you? Hey, Hop, I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Uh, I was thinking the other day, you know, the times we went down for the Logies in Melbourne. Bet, uh, oh, weren't, weren't they good times? Mate, they were really uh, really good. And do you remember the first time you went down for the Logies and we actually, uh, you know, put the suits on, we walked the red carpet. What was that like for you? Yeah, mate, it, it was uh, it was kind of surreal, you know, from being a kid that used to, to watch the Logies on TV to 
actually walking the red carpet and seeing how much of a big deal it really is. Like even before you walk down the red carpet, you, you're looking at people that you'd see on TV all the time. It's uh, yeah, it was a surreal feeling. You're seeing people like you said on TV, and and even the older ones that you've grew up with. And it's sort of a surreal feeling, isn't it, when you're walking through and the, you've got the crowd, you've got all these legends of TV, you're sort of rubbing shoulders with. Yeah, it it is. It's it's a weird feeling because uh, you know a classic example for me is I would watch Sandra Sally on the first at five news since I've been, you know, a, a young kid. And then next minute I'm at the Channel 10 after party slapping her up bra boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I know. And, and that walk can take like a half an hour and you go up into the main room where there's all these tables and we sit on the table and they start the uh, the uh, presentations then. And yeah, and I feel like it is because you – when you, you, you walk the red carpet and you're like, wow, that's crazy, you know, like it's like there's a lightning every couple of seconds from all the flashes and everything going off and then you, you're seeing, you know, all of these people that you, you look up to your whole life and then once you get into this room, it's like the production is crazy. you got, you know, you've got cameras coming over your head, you've got, you know, all these, you know, beautiful flowers and beautiful setups all around you and you're like you just you sat there right in the middle it's crazy and then also like you when you need to go outside and, and go the, to the bathroom and things like that you've got to do it in the ad breaks don't you because they shut the doors yeah. well that's the thing people that's what people wouldn't understand like mate, these these award ceremonies they go for like four or five hours like they don't just happen over an hour or two like it's it's a massive 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 process you know you you want to go to the toilet and you know next minute you go for a toilet and then you they shut the doors on you and you're you're locked out there and then you look next to you and you're like you know you got someone like Carl Stefanovic or someone standing next to you like oh hey mate how are you and then you end up chatting them to the the next break and then they open the doors and let you back in it's um yeah it's crazy and then sometimes there are so many people outside, but what about the funny thing when you've got the people lined against the wall, which they call chair fillers? So any gaps where you're stuck outside, they'll throw some random into your chair to cover it so it looks like the room's full. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's that's what you think. You're like, oh, my God, you know, like they're going to start filming and I'm going to be outside. I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't make it back. But yeah, like what you said, they've just got people waiting to, to sit in your seat. <laughs> I remember early days, the Logies, when we first went down, they had the bar outside in that auditorium. And what had happened is people would go to the bathroom, go to the bar, and they'd all be chatting outside, and then the doors would lock and there'd be no one inside. So they'd have to run around, make sure, especially if you're up for the next award, they'd have to make sure those people are, are back at their table. Yeah, like it's like what I was saying before, because, you know, that the area where they have the Logies, it's massive. You know, There would be, what, a 100 tables, maybe more? Yeah, probably more. There'd be over a 1,000 people, I reckon. Well, that's what I mean. It's a, it's a massive area, and that's like what you said. Imagine filming something and then coming back after the break and then half of the people are outside at the bar. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And, like, I remember one story. This is a funny story. We're walking the red carpet. You're, you're actually there with us. Um, 
and me, you and Maxie. And then uh, you got caught up and, and you went up the stairs and me and Maxie were there and we had um, the radio host, Will and Woody from Western <laughs> Australia, who we become really good friends with because of the Rotto Swim. Yeah. I'll never forget it. I just kept seeing Woody's face and he was just popping up everywhere and he was obviously doing interviews for their radio station. And he kept saying to me and Maxie, get me in, get me in. <laughs> and they say the Logies has the tightest security out of any event in Australia. And me and Free and Maxie, like, <laughs> you can't you can't take us anywhere. Every time we've seen Woody, we would say, mate, we're going to get you in. Don't worry. We're going to get you in. And, yeah, exactly what happened. We got stuck outside for an ad break. And who, who popped up? Woody popped up. Next minute, when we come out of the ad break, we took him in and we sat him on the table with us with Channel 10. And I think it was, so there was me, you, Maxie, was Beatty? Yeah, Beatty was Beattie, there. Yeah, yeah Beatty was there. And then we had um, the, the bachelor people that were going to be on the show the year after. So no one really knew who they were, but, you know, I think they get taken there to see what the experience is like because the next year all the lights are going to be on them. And I'll never forget, I remember we walked in with Woody and we brought him to our table. And we didn't have a spare chair and he's kind of hanging around. And I just remember looking and our executive producer for Bondi Rescue, Benny Davies, just like kind of looked at me like, who the F's this bloke? And I just thought, <laughs> oh, oh, what have we done? And then I think that was the last time me and Maxie have ever been allowed back down there. <laughs> I, I remember seeing Woody there and I think we ended up shuffling around and got him a chair somehow. I think we put him in there somehow. But yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a, oh, geez, that was a funny time. And then we go to the after parties after that, back to Channel 10's after party. And next thing you know, it's like two in the morning. It just goes so quick. Yeah, it flies, mate. It's a, it's like what they say, when you're having fun, mate, time flies. Mate, it's been um, an amazing journey. You know, we've won six Logies over the years, which is unbelievable for, for the show that we do. And uh, you've been a big part of that, so... Well done, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Hopper. Thanks for that. I've had um had some unreal times with you. Mate, we've had a, a, a absolutely crazy time. He's back again, Reedy. How are you, mate? I'm good, Hoppo. It's good to be back. It's nice to see the sun finally shining in here after a bit of rain that we've had in La Nina. <laughs> mate, uh, I just wanted to go back and uh, get a story because there's one that you've told me before and I just want the listeners to hear it because I think it's quite a, a good one. It was the Cairns to Cape York and it was a road trip that you did for tourism. So do you remember that story? Yeah, mate. You and I have both done a little bit of for tur- a little bit for tourism. I remember when you drove some Ferraris down to Wollongong. That looked like a good trip. But I think I can trump you on this one. Uh, I was lucky enough to do a road trip with myself and obviously rather large nipple man, Corey. And <laughs> normally Bacon would come along for the ride, but Bacon was unavailable. So they got Miss Australia to come along. And Miss Australia is very easy on the eyes. And this is back in the day when I was extremely single and, you know, <laughs> a young red-blooded male. and <laughs> yeah, had, had the long blonde hair and, uh, and and no wrinkles. Yeah, long blonde hair back then. <laughs> now it's just now I look like a crinkle-cut, ch- balding crinkle-cut chip. So <laughs> let's just say I don't think I would have had much luck. But, no, we were lucky enough to um, – we started in Cairns and we did all the adventure, adventure stuff to do in Cairns, like the bungee jumping and the whitewater rafting and then – and then basically myself, Corey, Miss Australia and a, and a couple of the team from Adventure Australia, they we jumped in some land cruisers and we headed north and we were going all the way to, to 
the tip of Cape York and we just got to experience a lot of really cool stuff along the way. It's a very famous four-wheel drive track that heads up from Cairns to Cape York and you obviously you start going through the Daintree and then and then once you've gone through the Daintree the um the the land and stuff all starts to change and it starts to really open up and and it's just an incredible part of the world. And I, I was lucky enough to not only get to experience it with one of my good mates, Corey, but also Miss Australia. And we we may have had a little bit of a fling along the way, which made the trip <laughs> even funner. But apart from that, we got a history lesson and learn all about how Captain Cook arrived in Australia for the first time and hence why Cooktown got its name and then made it all the way to a place called Punson Bay where we got up in a helicopter and it's just, it's almost like Fiji up there. It's a, you've kind of got to see it to believe it. And the great thing about it is unless you go up via helicopter or a four-wheel drive, you can't get up there. So really lucky to experience that and then stand right on the furthest tip of Australia. And even that was a three and a half K hike in across some volcanic rocks. So, but we got there and we got the photo and and it was a great experience. And I, I obviously didn't do a very good job with Miss Australia because she never spoke to me again after the trip. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we might have ended um, up married, but no good. <laughs> I'm sure she had a great experience as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tip of Australia. No, not, not with me, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, well, it must have been, yeah, it'd be great to get up that far. I've never been that far up and... So what's it like on the tip of Australia? Oh, mate, it, it just kind of looks a little bit like any kind of, I guess, point or headland, except there's a sign stuck in the ground saying you are now at the furthest tip of Australia. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was just the cool thing was making it all the way there and then and then making it all the way back, although we nearly didn't make it. We actually had a really, not my car, but the car in front of me, which Corey was sitting in the passenger seat, they actually had a really bad accident. One of the most dangerous things that you can do is – is, is trail the um, the road trains on those dirt roads up there. And I think the driver of the, the car that was driving Corey's Land Cruiser, he was probably going a little bit too quick and driving through the dust. And and I remember Corey recalled it. And I, there's some photos on my Instagram of, of the actual smash. And they, you know, those Land Cruisers are pretty tough. And he nearly... Um, he nearly completely pancake flattened the engine. So um, he ran, they ran straight up the back of a road train and, and, and nearly killed everyone in the car. Lucky lucky they got the brakes on in time. But, but Corey said he'll never forget, just like suddenly they were driving through dust and then next minute, bang, yeah. they were just straight up the back of his truck. So, um, But we survived. They got a new Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser board in and... Um, and we made it all the way to the top. There's plenty of beautiful things to see and do up there. And we're lucky to do some pretty cool um, full driving down up that way too as well. There's a there's a section called Gunshot where, you, you know, it's it's as more and more four-wheel drives have gone up and down it, it's getting harder and harder. And now you've pretty much got to winch yourself out of there. So, But it's kind of a, something that all four-wheel drivers like to do. And I've ticked it off the box now. Maybe Jeffro can get up there and have a crack himself. <laughs> Yeah, it's right up his alley. Right up his alley. He'd absolutely <laughs> love it. Although you hop, be, being the age you are and stuff now, I don't know how comfortable you'd be in a in a bench seat of a Land Cruiser. You like to ride in style these days. Yeah, I know. Yeah, might, might be a bit tough for me. The old body trying to bend into it, you know. <laughs> oh, mate, on your chief lifeguard wage, you'd be able to fly up there in a chopper for sure. <laughs> mate, it's... Uh, 
It's good to see Miss Australia's made it to the tip and made it back unscathed as well. <laughs> yeah, I think she's probably a little bit scarred. I don't, I don't think she tends to like lifeguards anymore, maybe. <laughs> Let's just say lucky Corey wasn't single or she would have been even more trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know. She might not have made it back. <laughs> she might not have. No, no. We know all about Corey. Corey, don't we? We'll, we'll keep that one PG. That's all good. Mate, <laughs> thanks for coming in, uh, Beach Shack. Another great story, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that episode with Beach Banner and the story about Kerbox and myself and all had a real good laugh. Now let's go to the mailbag. This week's letter in the mailbag is from Gary. He's from the Northern Territory. His letter says he listened to the episode with Brenda and it brought a tear to his eye as he has gone through something very similar with his family up there in the Northern Territory. Uh, Gary, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it and uh, hopefully uh, it it gave you something to... uh, to move forward with and, and helped uh, what you've been through as well by listening to Brenda's story. So thanks, mate, for the letter, and I'll catch everybody again next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.